Welcome to the Disrupt Education Podcast. I'm Peter Hostrasser, the host. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Do me a favor, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. I need to hear feedback from y'all. I love it. Thank you so much for that. Hit up disrupteducation.co if you want to see more, watch more, read more about me and the entire Disrupt Education movement and some of the offerings that I do as an unlearning coach. Also, head up to getahallpass.com. Getahallpass.com is Hall Pass Education's place where you can find gap year programs, transition programs, a bunch of other great stuff there as well. On today's podcast, I have two what I call super superintendents, Dr. Michael Lubafeld and Dr. Nick Poliak, and they are amazing. So, uh, Mike is the superintendent of schools at the North Shore School District number 112. And uh, Nick is the uh, proud superintendent of the award-winning Leiden Community High School District in uh, district number 212. Uh, Both of these uh, gentlemen uh, are on Twitter. You can find them um, and they co-moderate soup chat, S-U-P-T-C-H-A-T. Put a hashtag in front of that. You can find them. They are authors of three amazing books, co-authors, um, The Unlearning Leader, The Unfinished Leader, and Student Voice. And they are not stopping in this education reform time and in this time of the pandemic. They're going to talk a lot about some of the happenings and the things that they have seen before, during, and what they look for after the pandemic. You don't want to miss this one. Are you an individual or business wanting to create an online course or training program, but are overwhelmed with the e-learning process and don't even know where to start? If so, you don't want to miss this free masterclass called Create and Launch a Successful E-Learning Program Online Course or Virtual Training, where you will learn the biggest mistake most people make with e-learning, the number one reason most e-learning programs fail, and the three pillars to create extraordinary value for your learners every time and much more. Get instant access to the free masterclass right now by clicking on the link in the description. All you have to do is sign in and you will get instant access to this free masterclass right now. The Disrupt Education vlog can be found on YouTube. To hear it in podcast form, search Disrupt Education on any of the following podcast platforms. Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Spotify, or Stitcher. Welcome to this episode of Disrupt Education. I'm Peter Hostrasser, the host. I have two amazing superintendents with me today, Dr. Lubefeld and Dr. Poliak. And I don't know where to begin. Who wants to go first? Tell them a little bit about who you are and what you're doing these days. All right, so we're going to do age before beauty. All right, good (laughs) evening, everybody, or good day, good morning. It doesn't matter. Wherever you are, we are. My name is Mike Lubelfeld. I'm the superintendent of schools, North Shore School District 112 in Highland Park in Highwood, Illinois, Lake County, Illinois, on the beautiful shores of Lake Michigan. So it is um, 
my 11th year as a superintendent of schools, about my 30th year as a public school educator. And I got to tell you, I'm energized every day. I uh, stand on the shoulder of gi- shoulders of giants with our teachers and our leaders and our community. Um, we've got about 3,700 students pre-K through eight, about 64% are white, about 27% are Latinx, about 3% are black or African-American. Um, some children are of Asian uh, descent and all of that. We've got um, about one in four of our children are in, in the, the dual language two-way immersion Spanish-English program. It's an amazing school district full of innovation. And during this pandemic, it's been full of creativity, resiliency, humanity, um, and innovation. So I'm really proud to be here tonight. Oh, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Dr. Poliak, Leiden, talk to us. Yes. <laughs> so whereas Mike is situated on the beautiful shores of Lake Michigan, Leiden is situated on the beautiful runways of O'Hare International Airport. Um, I'm a proud superintendent for the Leiden High Schools. I've been there for the past eight years. I've been a superintendent for the last 12. And uh, to mirror Mike, I've been a public educator for 22 years now. Started my career as a high school math teacher way back in the day. Um, (laughs) Leiden's an amazing, amazing school district. Um, It is a uh, cultural and linguistic melting pot. We are about 70% Latinx, 29% white, but our white students speak over 30 languages. They're from about every Eastern European country you can think of, a lot of first and second generation students in our schools. And uh, two high schools, 3,500 students, and really just amazing people. It's a, it's a wonderful place to work and uh, just love going in every day. Uh, to, I mean, it's I, honestly, I feel like I'm a kid in a candy store right now because I, 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 if anybody has read anything about either of you, you are definitely leaders in, in education. And uh, in that journey to get to where you are, I wanted to just ask, so what, what was, uh, now Nick, you talked a little bit about being a math teacher. Um, we'll start with your path in education. So what, what was that like and, and how does one become a leader of a, a, a great school district like Leiden? I started my career at the Lincoln Way High Schools. I, I, I grew up in Joliet, went to Joliet Catholic, went to Augustana College for my undergrad. Uh, first day there, met a girl, was dating her within a week, and then uh, proposed to her the day before graduation. And so we've been together uh, 21 years now. Uh, which is pretty awesome, but uh, got my start teaching math. I was a tennis coach, a soccer coach, um, was encouraged to become a dean of students, and uh, did that for a year, became an assistant principal, and then I went into the central office. One of the unique career paths is I was never a principal. I went from assistant principal to central office, working with curriculum and data analysis, and then we up and moved the family down to the Peoria area. And I became the superintendent for um, Illinois Valley Central Schools in Chillicothe, just north of Peoria. Mm-hmm. So we lived there for four years. And then eight years ago, I had the chance to come up to Leiden. Uh, along the way, obviously I got a master's degree and picked up my doctorate at Loyola. One of the more unique career path pieces that I had though, is I've also been a school board member. Mm. So when I worked in a high school district early in my career, I got on the school board for the elementary district where I live. So I've actually spent four years on a school board as well. Those are those are thankless jobs, but they're definitely needed as well. So very cool to see both sides uh, of the action. Um, Mike, where how did you get to these beautiful shores? I'm telling you, um, 
a lot, lot of paddling and a lot of kayaking. No. Um, so I grew up in Des Plaines, uh, Illinois, and I went to Maine East High School in Park Ridge. And I spent my um, college years at the University of Illinois, Chicago, uh, National Lewis University, Loyola University, Chicago. So I've really been pretty much around the airport and the city for my entire life, born and bred. I started my teaching career in 1993 at Bensonville's Blackhawk Middle School. And because of amazing leaders there who just created cool opportunities for me, I was a social studies coordinator, K-8, um, point two and a teacher point eight in my second year of teaching there. So I had a taste of administration while I was a full-time teacher mm. and I had an understanding of how to do board and, and, and you know presentations and stuff. So my experience there was pretty cool. And a, a lifetime mentor, Jim Newland, who was a longtime assistant principal at Blackhawk, really sort of gave me life coaching and got me into administration um, preparation. Uh, in 1997, an opportunity presented itself at Elm Place Middle School here in North Shore School District 112. And I came here as a teacher, social studies, eighth grade and sixth grade, greatest job ever. <laughs> and I had my administrative credentials. And there were other great people here that just kind of provided leadership opportunities for me. And I tossed my hat in the ring to be the associate principal in 1998. And I've been an administrator ever since. So I was an administrator of a 4-8 middle school, which transitioned to a 5-8 and then a 6-8 middle school mm. and became principal there. So I taught there, associate principal, principal. Then I moved over to the central office as assistant superintendent for personnel services. Now, that wasn't crazy enough. I then chose to dip my toes in the water as superintendent and I went to Norwich. So I went to the historic Penoyer School and I was superintendent pre-K-8 of a one school school district and had an amazing board, an amazing time. My wife and I were then raising our children in Deerfield. Then an opening came up in Deerfield, and a guardian angel sort of, you know, pointed me in that direction. And I went to Deerfield, was superintendent for five years. Then an opportunity presented itself that called me back here to District 112 eight years after I left. And now I've been superintendent here since 2018. So it's been quite the wild ride. Along the way, Nick and I, became friends. We started on this crazy adventure of doing leadership training, leadership development, book writing, speaking, service trips. Oh my God, we've been so blessed <laughs> and so fortunate and, you know, um, really just so excited to continue this journey with this guy. Oh, I love um, that. Um, let's, let's jump into that partnership because um, you, you all are writing, you, you've done a lot of you know what's interesting is we're in a pandemic now. We're, we're adjusting quickly through that. Y'all were doing this before. Um, you know, uh, we connect. Mike and I connected. Uh, I, I've known Nick, the unlearning coach or the unlearning leader right here, right? So writing this book and, and when you go through this, this is the Twitter, like you were in the, before the Twitter explosion. And and I do know a little bit more about uh, Leiden than I do about District 112, but you know, uh, you know, Nick, you led a lot of the the technology rush uh, of of going one to one and and the just basically in front of the curve. Um, what I wanted to do is is well, let's start here. Let's uh, and maybe I know there's stuff before this, but what got you into thinking and what were some of the first projects that you did were that were outside of the norm, if you will, um, in your schools? Well, you know, Peter, you you kind of teed up. The digital revolution. Uh, Leiden was one of the first three school districts uh, in the country in the world to go one to one with Google 
Chrome and Google Apps back in 2012 and um, kind of thrust us into this relationship with Google where they were sending educators from all over the country, all over the world to come visit us because we were where you could come to see it happening. Mm -hmm. And so we started offering summer symposiums and you know quarterly site visits and had these teams coming in from all over the place to, to see what we're doing. We could learn from them, they could learn from us. And it was really fascinating to, to break down the walls of the world in that way. To, you know, we, we tend to live in our little silos and associate with our districts that are next to us that look like us and sound like us. And Leiden had this opportunity to connect with the world. And so it was just really this explosive growth moment for us in so many ways. I'll stop there, Mike, and, and send it your way. So let's go back to July 1st, 2013. It's my first day of superintendent of schools in the Deerfield Public Schools where I lived and I was raising my kids um, and everything. And we've got this excitement, this incredible teaching force, this incredible leadership team, a really great board, and the desire to go just a little bit further in terms of innovation. So I go to turn on my computer and I go to Twitter and it was blocked. And so I said, hey, hi, everybody. Who do I call? Something's blocked. So I called the tech people like, who are you? Like, I'm the new superintendent. Good to meet you. They're like, yeah, well, I don't know about that. So they checked it out and they realized that we were going to unblock Twitter um, because we were going to start to unblock everything. And, you know, we then freeze, you know, fast forward and talk about the mission statement. Hey, everybody, who can tell me the mission statement? And all the principals are like, I know one. Okay, so let's look at the mission statement. It's probably really good because smart people wrote it and they are smart and they did write it. We gleaned out of it three words, engage, inspire, empower. And we decided that engage 109 was going to be the hashtag. And we introduced, we're going to tell the narrative, tell the story of District 109. And we had a bunch of administrators who are like, you mean we can just do stuff? And we don't always have to ask permission? Sure. We'll say maybe. We're not going to say no. We may not say yes, but we're not going to say no. Well, the teachers picked up that culture. The principals picked up that culture. The students picked up that culture. And briefly, when the board was like, we think we want to go one-to-one. -one. We've been talking about it for probably, you know, X number of years. Can you maybe go one-to-one? -one? Brought the teachers together, brought the principals together and said, okay, what do we need to know? What do we need to do? Long story short, we had a group of third grade students make the final recommendation to the board on behalf of the administration about going one-to-one. How can any board member say no to the cutest little eight-year-old holding up a Chromebook saying, please, mister, can I just have another one? Anywho, some call it brilliant, some call it manipulative. In any event, I call it innovative. So just trying new things, bringing joy back to the workplace, having fun, and saying maybe, and then turning maybe into yes. And that was the cornerstone there. And I look finally back at Engage 109, even to this day. Well, I love that because it's in the in the book um, and, and just simplifying, um, simplifying, uh, you know, uh, I, Leiden, you, you, you did it as well, Nick, where you, you just condensed the, the mission statement. It's just so easy to everybody knows it. And um, thank you for that, because I've been in rooms where everybody's like picking a word and it's, it's you know, it gets it's. It gets to be rubbish sometimes, and and I can feel the energy from. And I know a few of your teachers, Nick. I mean, I can I know the energy levels of them. Um, they're amazing people. 
Um, let's talk about what this has done for your students, right? Um, you know, traditionally systems have been, you know, sit and get, and then I, I love the picture of the bent, bench neck of the snow day because that was way before all this remote learning that everybody else had. Um, and you were already playing around with, hey, you know what? It's a remote day. It is not going to be in-house day. Um, and a lot of us had to learn that really quickly uh, in the last year or so, uh, what that looked like. Leading up from that moment to now, uh, as the pandemic hit, was what was that transition like for, for both of you? Peter, I think one of the biggest things, you know, if I can advocate for one thing, it's to, it's to help develop a culture of innovation and a culture of unlearning within a school district mm -hmm. to where it's not only okay, it's celebrated, like, yes, try something new. That's fine. No one's going to slap your hand. What if my AP scores go down? What if my GP, you know, no, we need to evolve yeah. because the world is evolving faster than we are. And so, you know, when you look at, when you look at what just happened with the pandemic, we were, um, we were down in Springfield advocating for e-learning days years ago and saying, uh, I think it was after the big, we had a winter that was awful in 2015. Yeah. And so, we had all these days we missed for wind chills. And so we started advocating to legislators, let us do e-learning days. We're ready. The kids have the equipment. All of our teachers get their master's degree in blended and online programs. Like, why aren't we preparing kids for this world to teach them that schools aren't buildings. Schools are collections of experiences that can happen anywhere. And so let's leverage this snow day and make it a teachable moment for kids. And so try <laughs> drive after drive, talking to committees in Springfield to finally get to the point where we could do five e-learning days a year in three school districts in the state as a pilot. Fast forward to this pandemic, and we had to turn an entire year into that. Now, we weren't prepared. I mean, even what we had done, right. we weren't prepared for this. But we were worlds ahead of where a lot of places were mm -hmm. because we already had a framework in place. We already had a mindset and an understanding of what this could look like. Yeah, But that all comes back to building a school district with a culture of unlearning and a culture of innovation. Mm -hmm. Mike, how, how was your like transition into this? So on March 12th, it was a Thursday night at a special board meeting at 8.30, I, I declared that our schools would be closed until April 14th. I was following the East Coast universities with the spring break plan. And then on March 13th, I was invited to um, be one of the superintendents who accompanied the governor at his press conference uh, down in Chicago, where he announced that March 17th, schools were going to be closed. Um, it, you know, whoa, okay, hello. So in our district on March 16th, which was a Monday, we had written an e-learning plan over the weekend and asked our labor union to look at it so we could fast track it with the regional office of education because we didn't have a plan. We made sure we were able to feed our children because that was our priority one, was feeding children. Uh, one in four of our children are in the free and reduced lunch program, so we made sure we kept feeding them throughout, and Nick did uh, as well at Leiden. We then realized that we uh, needed some, some time and help to figure out what does this remote learning mean? What's going on? We got some resources, we got some teacher committees together, and we said, roll up our sleeve because something's going on. When we realized we weren't coming back April 14th or April 30th or May 5th or May 30th or ever that year, 
uh, we started making some tweaks and improvements and iterations of what remote learning was. And we did a survey with the local assessment group. And the, 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 the feedback was sobering, very real, very, uh, you know, honest, very humbling, very sobering. And we said, okay, we're going to kick it up with several notches for summer school. So we delayed summer school from June to July to make it just a really awesome and inventive remote experience, way better. And then we're, we did all this other stuff and we decided to open schools in a hybrid learning model, part-time, in-person, five days a week. We ran that for seven weeks. We then shut for a bit for all remote. We're back in part-time hybrid five days a week. And we kept iterating, reiterating, surveying, resurveying, acting. And we've got a culture of continuous improvement. I've got amazing, resilient teachers. I've got amazing, resilient principals and central office administrators. A very, very generous board that allows us to lead. And a parent community that kind of hangs with us and gives us real good shout outs real legit criticism and then you know good two-way and we're leading leading in an exhausting leading in a really different leading in a scary leading with anxiety yet we're leading and the leadership here the hashtag is 112 leads we're continuing to lead and reiterate Coming up after the break, Nick and Mike talk a little bit more about some of the inventive things that have come from the pandemic and some really good advice for not only teachers, but administrators and school leaders on how to continue to grow and innovate in these difficult times. Hang out. We'll be right back. I recently asked Jake, who is a sophomore in high school, why he uses SpikeView to share his learning journey. Um, I think it's really cool that you know SpikeView is really putting that abstract into con concrete data and knowledge and then displaying that to the outside world. And I think SpikeView is different than anything else out there. Uh, like I said before, because it's really taking that, you know, the, that those abstract skill sets and those abstract experiences and putting them into data that, you know, is actually mathematic and scientific and, um, you know, that matches you up with the best programs and, um, you know, best places for you. People, um, you know, who are really trying to make those changes in the world and they're going to be using SpikeView because SpikeView is that app where you can, you know, take, take those experiences and take those passions and put them out there. Um, and share with other people and that's you know that's really powerful and that you know that professional networking piece um, you know to be with other like-minded teenagers that puts you ahead that puts you ahead in a lot of ways and so um, you know I think anyone who uses Spike View right now has a leg up in the future and excited to see you know where those Spike View alumni head up. Head to spikeview.com start your portfolio now for free. What I really love about this is that um, it's agile, right? It's 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 Scrum as as, and you don't see that much in schools. So I, I really appreciate that. Let's 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 dive in. So you have a couple more books and a couple more uh, uh, ways of, of teaching others uh, to lead. Um, I wanted to so I have the Unlearning Leader. Love this book. I would recommend this book to anybody who is leading and even teaching. I, you know, this for me, because I think I feel like I'm a little innovative. It's like, oh, this is the Twitter revolution and, and the ease of uh, a vision and a mission and, and just basically that culture of unlearn what we do. It's not working and learn what, what we can try to go ahead. 
you have two more books. Can we can we talk about those? What what do we, what in twenty eighteen I believe you wrote the the next one, and then there's yeah. there's one I think that's pretty new or coming out if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. A little shameless plug for Illinois educators: if you're interested in an online self paced book study with the unlearning leader leading for tomorrow's schools today, the North Cook County Intermediate Service Center has an approved. Um, online book study, you can get some CPGUs for your professional license. We also have a course for student voice from invisible to invaluable. And that was our 2018 book that we wrote with PJ Capozzi, another good friend and Illinois superintendent from uh, Meridian in Stillman Valley, Illinois, just outside of Rockford. And then in May, we've got our latest project, the unfinished leader, uh, school leadership framework for growth and development. So Nick and I, and, and, and also Nick, PJ and I, we find writing to be cathartic. We find writing to be a way to get our messages of leadership out. And, and Nick and I right now, and PJ would admit the same thing, we cannot emphasize enough. We lead with incredible people. We are so grateful to the others with whom we lead, the leaders, the teachers, the students, the parents, the boards. Because of them, we're able to facilitate learning and culture and we're able to facilitate creating innovative experiences because people let us and people do the great work mm -hmm. we're humbled by what they allow everyone to accomplish so we don't want to take all the credit you know what i'm saying right, we're really absolutely. proud of the stuff and it's really fun to talk with you but you know student voice from invisible to invaluable talks about how three superintendents and schools all across the state with voice from students, high school students at the time, um, and principals talk about how students can be our partners in leading um, school design. The schools are built for the kids, right? So, you know, superintendents usually get to talk to architects and have fancy meetings. Well, what we did and we share it in the book is some of the vignettes include having students meet with the architects. So talk about career day times two. And we had students help elements of design for the learning spaces and some of those were actually incorporated into the design so I'll stop there kind of let Nick talk about where, where he wants to go but thank you for bringing up the books we yeah, really appreciate yeah. it you know I, I don't think we ever wrote the books really to, to sell a bunch of books like Mike said it was it's a cathartic process for us to, to share and to kind of just put it all out there um, in the student voice book I tell the story about adding student board members at Leiden and, um, Love you know, specifically it, we had a day where, and, and they get all the same communications. They're in every, every conversation, everything we talk about they're they're right there with the seven elected board members. But we had one day where we were batting around the idea with the board about getting rid of class rank and valedictorian and salutatorian, you know, and it's, that can be controversial in some communities because people hold on to what they know. It's hard to unlearn. And, um, the students, you know, one of the board members turned and asked the students, what do you think? And they said, well, my friends and I, we take classes based on what's going to get us the highest GPA. Not necessarily the classes we're passionate about or what we want to pursue. So we've got this vast course catalog and all these career pathways and kids are taking classes to game the system. And uh, they said, you know, we think we should get rid of it. The board members looked at me and said, why haven't we been doing this forever? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like Mike said, nobody built the buildings for the adults. Like we never said, we need some really nice buildings for adults to go work in. Like, no, it's all about the kids. So fast forward, uh, the pandemic hits and Mike and PJ and I kind of needed something to take our mind off the crazy. 
And so we wrote what ended up becoming the unfinished leader. And it was this, this idea that, you know, people often talk about, I want to be the best version of myself. Well, we said there is no such thing as the best version of yourself. There's only the next version of yourself. Mm. And so we're never finished. We need to be on that continuous. As long as you can accept the fact that you're never finished, it's okay to have faults. It's okay to grow and learn. It's okay to be humble and vulnerable. And so really challenging people to think long-term, you know, about, about, and, and even to understand that when the day comes that I hang it up and I'm no longer a superintendent and everybody forgets about me and somebody else steps in, you know, I will have taken the place as far as I can, but I never finished it. I just hand it off and somebody else carries it even further. So that's kind of what we're trying to get across in the new book. I absolutely love that. It's I'm going to coin a term here. And it's probably going to be your next book. It's superintendpreneurs. There we go. Nice. All right. Nice. <laughs> so there, yes. Uh, I'll write the forward. Um, that's what I love. And I think, um, you know, the passion that you bring um, with the entire community. And, and that is something that, you know, I've learned the hard way of trying to do things my own. And, and I really appreciate the fact that, you know, you, you, it is the community. It is all the stakeholders. And especially for a business teacher like me, it's the client, right? The, the student voice, but not just, just being heard, but acted on. Um, wow. Oh my gosh. I want the recording of that, uh, that kid saying that because I want to just shoot that everywhere, by the way. Um, so what are, what are some of the biggest pieces of advice that you would give to, man, let's go with school leaders right now. Um, whether you are a dean, uh, a, a department chair, a principal, maybe assistant superintendent, even a superintendent, um, in times like these, because we know, I know personally from, from you all and a couple other superintendents that, that I'm uh, colleagues with, it is super, super hard. How do you keep yourself going? What, what are some of the advice that you have for administrators? Um, well, the, the biggest piece of advice is to stay humble and listen to Tim McGraw's song, Humble and Kind, and really listen to the lyrics and really listen to the words. Do not take yourself so seriously. We're not all that. We're simply doing our stuff. We're regular human beings. We're not the concept of our role, whatever our role is. You're a human being first and always. Um, try to be skillful, not to be willful. Just because we may be smart and just because we may have experiences and just because we may even be right right now or may have been right in a similar situation in a different circumstance, do not impose your will on someone because of your title. Be open. Be humble. Be willing to listen and work together with others and have a kindness and a compassion to understand that in this time of pandemic, we as Americans, we, we as people are feeling the emotion of despair, which is not in our DNA. And it's not an emotion that our people or our culture is accustomed to. I think the last time despair was felt on a grand global scale was during the Great Depression. And that's, that's four generations ago. We don't understand it. So understand right now in this pandemic, there's a lot of information flying at people real fast, 100 miles an hour from every angle. Just find your center, take a deep breath, remain consistent with your core values and your ethics always and only. Listen, be humble, be kind, and be strong. Nick, what do you think? <laughs> So what happened here, Peter, is Mike just stole my talking points. 
I did. So, That's why I went um, first. <laughs> yep. So here's what I'm going to say, and I'm going to bring it back to kind of what we were just talking about with the books a little bit. Um, I have four children, and um, one of the things I love to watch is my oldest, uh, my one daughter, and my youngest love to do Legos together. And so they do a lot of Harry Potter Legos, and they buy the big kits, and they take out the directions, and they work together, and they build it until the whole thing, whatever they're creating, is done, right? And I think we as humans, we as administrators and leaders, teachers, we like that certainty of taking a task from beginning to end to seeing the completion and, and get that like that feeling of, oh, I completed this. Well, the world we're living in, um, you know, if we're if we compare it to the Legos, every time you look back at the directions, they're changing. And they tell you to get a piece out of the bag and you look and it's not there and you're supposed to try to make it or invent it, you know, and, you know, you just keep putting them together and you're never done. Like there's never an end to the project. And so that can be frustrating. That can cause despair, like Mike is saying. Or you can embrace it and say, that's who we are and that's what we do. That's what this work is. And I think if you can get to that realization, you can find more joy living in that gray. I love that analogy, although my feet hurt because when my kid had Legos, you know, I would step on them all the time. But uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, finding that peace, then you have to create that. That's a brilliant. I love that. And as a, like I said, a father of somebody who has Legos still, even as a... He's going to kill me for this, but as a sophomore in high school and he loves still playing with them, I mean, I'm good. I'm good with that. Um, what is, if you can pick one or two bright spots of something that has been innovated in the last from March 16th on, is there something that you can highlight that, hey, somebody else out there may want to try this? I'm so proud of our teachers, our department chairs, our administrators. Uh, they created something brand new uh, for us that we're calling ELO, Extended Learning Opportunity. And it was born out of kids having to do all this virtual learning and we're seeing higher failure rates than normal. You know, failure rates we never would have seen without a pandemic. And so what do we do? What do we do with this information? Well, our departments went and created these extended experiences, two weeks or four weeks for English, for math, for science, and said, listen, Peter, you got a 45 in my class. Instead of making you retake the whole thing or putting you in an online credit recovery course, we want you to attack this extended learning opportunity. And they were filled with personalization for the kids. They could find their own passion to show their knowledge base in that content area. And we've had wonderful success rates mm. where kids are recapturing credits and getting to move on with their education instead of being in this cycle of remediation. And so the, the learning for us was, why haven't we been doing this forever? You know, post-pandemic, this makes so much more sense than what we've always done in the past. So it's going to be a silver lining for us to, to better our process and to carry that forward. Fantastic. Student-centered is amazing. Wow. I'll, I'll, we'll be on the phone soon talking more about that. That's, a, that's wonderful. Mike, how about you? I'm going to give a shout out to uh, physical education and health and wellness teacher Rob Johnson at Ravinia School in Highland Park. Rob teaches kindergarten through fifth graders. He invited me on a virtual kindergarten PE class. And let me tell you how inventive, creative, and amazing Rob is and his students are. So imagine like 18 kindergarten students, five years old. It was pajama day. It was really cute, really fun. Rob is on Zoom 
and I'm on there. We're saying hello and everything. And he's like, all right, we're going to play hide and seek today. Remember, I'm going to create more breakout rooms than, than there are you. You've got two seekers you're going to hide. But when you find someone, you're going to do 20 jumping jacks or 20 burpees or 20 uh, squats. So all of a sudden, that was their warm-up. That was their calisthenics. They did that for like five minutes. Then they did another activity. So the inventive, innovative, creative, taking the virtual learning, being in front of a screen, and really, really having the juxtaposition of physical fitness and education with kindergartners, Rob is an example of the creativity going on in every classroom in District 112 and every teacher pre-K through eight. And I just want to give a shout out that that's resiliency, creativity, and just pure excellence. And it was pure joy. Um, so I'm going to shout that out right now uh, for example. Silver line. Yes, that's that's wonderful. Um, one takeaway, do you think, beyond like these these awesome things that you're doing, and this this might be a tricky question because you are disruptors of education in a good way, um, innovators, unlearning leaders. What do you think is going to change? And this is purely speculation, but what do you think is going to change? Uh, what needs to change going forward, even in innovative organizations like yours? exponentially accelerated growth rates and change. We turned on a dime and we kept turning and turning and turning and reiterating and getting it better and better and better. We collaborated, we took the voice of the teacher, the voice of the student, the voice of the administrator. We can keep going like this. We have no excuses now not to make improvements. I'm gonna say this is more of a wish list item, mm -hmm. but I, I would love to see us in the education community and in the, the world in general redefine um, success for kids in schools. You know, I, I get frustrated if you ever look up a realtor website and look at ratings of schools, you know, and if you find a high rating, you can pretty much guarantee that's going to be uh, a pretty homogenous, uh, pretty affluent community mm -hmm. that has high ratings for the schools. And so I think we've just put the emphasis in the wrong places because those, those simple metrics don't show the kind of growth that kids have. They don't show the the career pathways that they undertake and find their passions. They don't show, you know, wh where where kids make connections with teachers and change the trajectory and direction of their life. And there's a hard, there's no great ways to capture those things. But I wish that we could have a better way to define success that, that more accurately accurately reflects what happens in our schools. All right, where can people find the unlearning leaders, the superintendpreneurs? We spent a lot of time on Twitter. So I'm at Mike Lubelfeld, M-I-K-E-L-U-B-E-L-F-E-L-D. Uh, Nick and I co-coordinate uh, Soup Chat, S-U-P-T Chat, Soup Chat. Uh, the first Wednesday of every month at 7 p.m. It's open to everybody. It's not just for superintendents. That's on Twitter. It's free. Um, we're also on LinkedIn. Uh, Voxer. Our books are available at Amazon.com or at our publisher's website, Roman and Littlefield. Uh, we're both available by email and even probably smoke signals will probably find us. <laughs> so wait, Mike, you, that, those are all great things. You didn't actually answer his question about where to buy the books, but I don't promote that. You do. Um, Peter, if your listeners are interested in leadership, Mike and I are blessed to teach the Aspiring Superintendent Academy for the state of Illinois. Mm -hmm. We've been able to do that for the past six years. We'd love for folks to come join us for a week in Springfield to really see the job behind the scenes. 
and try to demystify the job for folks. We teach that class nationally for AASA. Um, Mike and I lead the Transformational Leadership Consortium, which is a group of really forward thinking school districts from across the country. And we go several times a year uh, to see some of the coolest things happening in schools. And so if people wanna connect with us for any of those things, we would love it. Mike. Wow, Nick, you're, you're right. Nick and I have also been blessed to travel internationally um, for leadership to Australia, to China, to um, the Dominican Republic, uh, and to Puerto Rico, which is American, but it was really exotic. So I'll just say, you know, um, <laughs> we've done some service trips and some speaking and some leadership. So we're very, very proud and fortunate to have each other, to have these opportunities. And if anybody needs any advice for anything leadership, uh, we'd be happy to, to you know, pick up the phone or Zoom or whatever. Awesome. I want to thank both of you, uh, Nick and Mike. Thank you so much for being here with us on Disrupt Education. It is a privilege to have you both in my backyard here in the Chicago area. But we know that, you know, connections worldwide happen. And uh, I just want to thank you so much for what you do. Um, and also, I know I said this even before the podcast, but it's been one heck of a year uh, in going forward and the decisions and, and the things that you all had to make and are still making. Thank you. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you. Thank it's you an honor to be here. Pleasure to be here. Appreciate that. We, um, we've got to be kind to one another and we, we can make it. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you all for listening to Disrupt Education. We'll catch you next time.